The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. But let's turn our attention across the water. Busy week in UK politics. Further revelations about the Rwanda Agreement. Uh, British headlines today. The government has been uh, giving Rwanda further £100 million uh, this year as part of a deal to relocate asylum seekers. And bear in mind, not a single asylum seeker has been sent to Rwanda. And somebody pointed out this week, they've actually sent more Home Secretaries to Rwanda in the last year than they have sent a single asylum seekers. Uh, But first of all, after two days of questioning at the COVID inquiry, Boris Johnson said he did not let it rip as a policy. Let's have a listen. Uh, we, in, we went into lockdown as soon as we could the first time round, and we sensibly went for a, a regional approach when the disease picked up again, and then again went into to lockdown on the, uh, on the 30th, 31st of October. And I, I think, frankly, it is... It, it does not do justice to uh, what we did, our thoughts, our feelings, my thoughts, my feelings, uh, to say that uh, we were re- remotely uh, reconciled to fatalities across the country. Or, or that I believe that, uh, that, uh, that it was acceptable to, to let it rip. What I was asking... And I had to do this. I had to, and we, we covered a lot of this yesterday, but I, I had to challenge the consensus in the meeting. I had to speak for everybody who wasn't in the meeting and who wanted these points put to the scientists before I went out to explain them. I had to get their, their version of why this wasn't the case. Why, why wasn't it true that... As people were continuously saying in the uh, in the media and elsewhere uh, that the answer was to shield the elderly, protect the elderly, and and to um, let it rip otherwise. Ender mm. Brady is a TRT World presenter, my colleague in Healy Communications. Ender, good morning. Good morning, Jonathan. Um, realistically, did Boris Johnson do anything to rehabilitate his image? Because I don't think he did. No, not really. Look, we had two days, hours and hours of evidence. Day one, we saw quite a contrite, humble Johnson. And then day two yesterday, more combative. And I think, you know, he's very much aware his legacy is on the line here. But he had answers for everything. And I think, look, he's been very well coached through all of this. And at the back of Boris Johnson's mind is the fact that, you know, next year, the Conservative Party is likely to be looking for a new leader. And he wants to get back into the mix somehow. Yeah, which is extremely unlikely, but uh, God loves a trier. What Johnson couldn't get away from was the idea, and this was evidence from Patrick Vallance, who was, at the time, let's not forget, the chief scientific advisor, somebody who you should be listening to, say he, he was quoting Johnson as having argued for letting it rip, quoting him as saying potential victims had had a good innings and reached their time anyway. We were talking earlier on about uh, politicians ex- should expect things to end up in the public domain. I mean, Boris Johnson, did he even care if that ended up in the public domain? I don't think he did. But look, he did make some mistakes. He acknowledged that. But I think what a lot of people for the last two days, really, what's come out, what people find unforgivable, Jonathan, is some the use of language. There was words he jotted in various different columns of briefings that he obviously didn't think his prime minister would ever see the light of day. I mean, he seemed to have complete contempt for people with long COVID. And this is very unusual for a guy who ended up strapped to a machine with a ventilator looking after him. 
when he was in ICU, when he actually got the virus, 10 days after shaking hands with people who had the virus and telling people there was nothing to worry about. You know, so, so I think that the use of language, I think, has upset people. We saw four members of the public asked to leave the public gallery because they stood up and made a silent protest carrying placards that said the dead can't hear your apology. They were asked to leave. It's been a bruising couple of days for Johnson. Um, I've just driven through his village in Oxfordshire, actually, where he lives. And I do wonder if he's having breakfast, looking at the morning's newspapers and just wondering, you know, did he actually do his best the last two days? Uh, what, what have the papers been saying? Because, I mean, there, there, there are newspapers over there, one of which he writes for, of course, the, the, the Daily Mail, who still thinks he walks on water. Um, I mean, have they been critical of him? Not massively. I mean, look, there's some far bigger issues uh, at the moment that the UK government or certainly Sunak seems to think are bigger issues he's grappling with. So I think the, the problem with the papers here, as you know, Jonathan, is that, you know, most of them are owned by conservative media barons in this country and they all seem to love Johnson and they think he's, he's the second coming. Um, he certainly thinks in his head that he's going to make a comeback next year. But I think he just needs to take even the, the shortest of walks around where he lives and he will find that people don't like him very much. What, what did for him in the end really was Partygate and, and his basic lies uh, that, that he had either attended or known about or sanctioned um, stuff that shouldn't have happened. Uh, it, uh, I mean, would we consider them to be a party right now in 2023? Yes, they'd be terrible parties, but they were still gatherings that were illegal at the time. He described the media representations of Partygate as a travesty of the truth and a million miles from reality. Why is he still trying to retrospectively defend that which, which did for him in the end? I think he has to. He has to defend it. But look, it's the culture and it came from the top. Everyone remembers that famous picture of the Queen at Philip's funeral sitting by herself completely in isolation. And we now know that the night before in Boris Johnson's number 10 Downing Street, they had a DJ playing karaoke music in the basement. They'd sent a junior civil servant out with an empty suitcase to the supermarket to come back with alcohol. And all of this was going on and Johnson wasn't even there. He was off in checkers uh, for the weekend. But that happened on his watch. He oversaw that culture. So, you know, probably not the best parties, but an awful lot of people were making huge sacrifices at that time following the rules he wrote. Mm. Let's talk about um, matters present for Rishi Sunak. Uh, they, they still want to send people to Rwanda. Uh, it's costing them a huge <laughs> amount of money. Uh, at this point, James Cleverly, who is the new um, Home Secretary, has gone over there to try and do some kind of deal. All they're doing is, is, is putting this on life support, knowing full well that the highest court in Britain has already said this is not a runner. I mean, what in the name of God is he thinking? So they've spent an awful lot of money on this. I mean, we're pushing onwards now towards 300 million sterling spent on this policy. And as you correctly state, three home secretaries have gone to Rwanda, but not a single asylum seeker. So this whole message about stopping the boats, it's it's just not working. There's 30 odd thousand people have got across here from France on these dinghies so far this year. And OK, the Conservatives will say that's down on last year. But it's still an extraordinary figure. There's about eight million pounds a day being spent on hotel accommodation. So that's the the root of it. Is that, that's what they're trying to stop. But the policy Sunak is pushing on. The best legal minds in the country have told him that this will be absolutely torn apart 
by clever lawyers next year. And yet he's continuing to push on. And in the background, you've got Suella Braverman, recently sacked as Home Secretary. She's on manoeuvres this week, and she really is positioning herself for a leadership tilt as soon as possible. Mm. This is the entire house of cards of Brexit falling down around their shoulders. I mean, there, there is no getting away from that. What's happening economically, but particularly what's happening with immigration. They promised that Brexit would mean they'd have control of their borders. Um, we, we've seen policies being mooted in the last couple of days whereby they're saying, oh, yes, you, you can come in, but only if you're earning a certain amount of money and your family can't come unless you're really well off. I think it was in the top 25% of earners that they, only then can they come in. I mean, they have not controlled their borders at all. It had nothing to do with Brexit. It had nothing to do with the European Union. It had everything to do with the Conservatives. Rishi Sunak knows that he has to do something spectacular to convince the British electorate, and he's running out of time. He, he is big time. Look, I, I got told last week that April is when the election will be. A lot of people feel that Sunak will go until the very last minute. But as several Conservative MPs said to me recently, that would mean campaigning at Christmas next year. And they, they you know, they're absolutely not going to do that. So I think you're looking at a spring election. Sunak has run out of road. There are manoeuvres behind the scenes already to get rid of him. Suella Braverman, there will be letters going in in the next week to 10 days saying they've no confidence in Sunak. It would be, it's mm. just bonkers. And you're right, you're right. You know, the British public, they were completely sold the pub. You know, most people here in terms of Brexit, Jonathan, they thought, great, vote Brexit and we'll get back to England and it'll be 1066 again and everyone will be white, English and middle class and and it's been a disaster. Yeah, I have to say that 1922 committee is getting more post uh, from Conservative MPs than is being sent uh, for Christmas cards this year. But uh, that is the nature of it. Enda Brady, presenter of Roundtable on TRT World. Thank you very much for joining us uh, with that update. Still to come on the Pat Kenny Show on Newstalk with me, Jonathan Healy. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on Newstalk.